Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, I want to concentrate today on one line from our second reading. It's a great line, important line. But I do so with trepidation. Because this is bringing us onto very mysterious ground. Here's the line in question. It's taken from Paul's letter to the Colossians. The Apostle says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Let me say it again. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Hmm. That Paul suffered a great deal is attested to frequently in his letters. He was beaten, shipwrecked, imprisoned many times, rejected by his own people, And he suffered his life long under the weight of some ailment. We don't know if it was physical or psychological. But he complained this way, Lord, three times I begged you to take this from me. Finally, of course, Paul was put to death. He was a man who was well acquainted with suffering, with pain. But here he's telling us now in the letter to the Colossians that he rejoices in his sufferings. How come? Because somehow they are joined to the sufferings of Christ. Somehow they are making up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. How do we understand this? Well, look. Christ saved us. Every time we look at a crucifix, we realize this. Christ saved us through an act of suffering. Dying for us on the cross. Bearing in his own person, the weight of our sin. In the cross, in other words, suffering and love coincided. And when you think of it, every act of real love does involve suffering. Since love is bearing the burden of another. That's what it means to love. It means to break out of the prison of your own self-regard, your own egotism, and willingly to bear the burden of another. Well, that's an act of suffering. Now, we know in Paul's vision, the church is not just a society, not just a collectivity of like-minded people. Rather, the church is a body made up of interdependent cells and molecules and organs. We don't just follow Christ. We don't just admire Him from a distance. We participate in Him. And that's precisely what's involved in baptism. It involves just this dynamic 
of identification and participation. When you baptize a baby, you mark the child with the sign of the cross. You place the child symbolically under the water. That means he or she is participating in the death of Jesus. Therefore, we should not be surprised that we Christians will be called upon to suffer precisely in the works of love. What's been given to us is this extraordinary privilege of carrying on Christ's work in the world in just this way. Now, what does this look like? Sometimes it's pretty easy to see what this looks like. A mother stays up all night depriving herself of sleep in order to care for a sick child. Well, what she's doing there is she's carrying his burden. She is suffering so that some of his pain might be alleviated. Or suppose someone willingly bears an insult, refuses to fight back or return injury for injury. But what he's doing there is he's suffering for the sake of love. He's bearing the burden of another. Suppose someone's hurt you and you forgive him. Well, see what you're doing. Forgiveness is an act of suffering love. You're willing to bear the injustice. Even some more dramatic examples. In the summer of 1942, a prisoner escaped from a barracks at Auschwitz. The Nazi soldiers couldn't find him, so they imposed their penalty. They took all the prisoners from the escapees' barracks, lined them up, and then at random chose a man to be put to death in retaliation. When the man broke down in tears, protesting that he was the father of young children, a quiet, bespectacled man stepped forward and said, I am a Catholic priest. I have no family. I would like to die in this man's place. Well, the Nazis who hated Catholics, hated priests especially, were only too happy to take him up on his offer. And Maximilian Kolbe was starved to death. Here, with brutal clarity, we see the relationship between suffering willingly accepted and salvation and love. What Kolbe did in the most dramatic way possible was he took on the burden of the other. He suffered that the other might live. In this, he was a saint, of course. It's what makes you a saint. In this, he was consciously participating in the act of his master. In Paul's language, making up what is still lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Among the many great stories told about St. Francis, one of the most affecting is that concerning his encounter with a leprous man. Young Francesco Bernadone, St. Francis, had a particular revulsion for leprosy, like a lot of people in his time. Lepers were obliged to carry a bell to ring it to scare people off. Whenever Francis saw someone suffering from that disease, he would run in the opposite direction. But one day, not long after his awakening, his great conversion, he saw a leper approaching. He sensed the familiar apprehension and disgust. 
But then, under the inspiration of the Gospel, he decided to embrace the man, to kiss him, and to give him alms. Filled with joy afterwards, he made his way up the road. When he turned around, he discovered the man gone, disappeared. Once again here, suffering was the concrete expression of love. What he did is he entered into the experience of that leprous man. He, for that moment, bore his burden, making up what's still lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Okay, okay. So far, so clear. But are there times, friends, when the relationship between suffering and love is not so clear? Are there times, mysterious moments, when, in the economy of grace, God uses our suffering to benefit another member of the body of Christ? Listen, even when we don't see clearly or understand clearly how this is working, with Kolbe, St. Francis, the mother staying awake uh, late at night, we can see the relationship there between suffering and love. But is it possible that in God's great economy, sometimes God can use our suffering for His purposes in a way that we can't see? I've spoken often before about Charles Williams, who said that the master principle of Catholicism is the principle of coherence, one in the other. We bear each other's burdens. We are implicated one in the other. Again, following Paul's idea, just as the organs and systems of a living body are connected to each other, so are we in the body of Christ. And thus, just as one system of the body can sometimes take up the work of another if that system is suffering, or one organ can bear the burden of another which is ailing, so one member of the body of Christ can perhaps bear the burden of another. When I was a kid, my mother used to speak of offering something up for a sinner or praying for the poor souls in purgatory. Now, maybe some of the older folks listening to me remember that language. I think it's sad that that language has largely faded away. My mother was reflecting a very ancient Catholic idea. That if I'm suffering in some way, I don't know what it is, physical suffering, psychological suffering, emotional, who knows what it is. I've been hurt. What do I do with that suffering? Well, I could complain about it. I could, I could feel sorry for myself because of it. Or, as she said, I could offer it up. Hmm, what does that mean? Offered up to Christ for someone I don't know. Maybe someone in purgatory. Maybe someone deep in the mystery of God whom I don't know, I've never heard of. But I can offer my suffering as an expression of solidarity. So that, and again, friends, I don't claim to understand all the dynamics of this. No one does. But that Christ can use my suffering freely offered, to alleviate the suffering of someone else. 
I talk to people in the parishes sometimes, older folks who suffer chronically. You know, often physical ailments that despite all of our advancements in medicine and technology, we can't really deal with. People have just chronic suffering. Or people that have chronic psychological suffering. Depression, loneliness, anxiety. What do I do, Father? What do I do with all this? Well, yeah, sure, as far as possible, try to deal with it through medication and so on. I mean, we're not, we're not embracing suffering in a sort of masochistic way. But suppose there's a suffering that you've done all you can, yet there it is. I say, offer it up. Offer that suffering to Christ. In fact, you can become, I'll say to an older person, maybe who is feeling rather isolated, useless, what good am I doing? No, no, you can be a powerhouse of prayer. Making up in your own body now what's still lacking in the sufferings of Christ. That's an odd thing, isn't it, when you think about it? You look at the life of a parish or a diocese or the church and you point to, oh, the prominent figures. There's the bishops and the priests and the preachers and all those who have a a public role. Okay, they're serving Christ. Ah, but in that strange, surprising economy of grace, maybe those figures aren't the major players. Maybe the real players are those quiet people who offer their pain to the Lord that he might use it for his salvific purposes. Can I ask you this week, friends, go back to that letter of Paul to the Colossians. Look again at that line. And let the meaning of that, the importance, the significance of that, sink into your soul and offer your sufferings to the Lord Jesus. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that, together, we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. Cardinal George says, It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 43 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries willing to help you during times of loss. Call 708-449-6100 for assistance. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.